Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Cards of the Octagon. Thank you all so much for joining us on this beautiful Friday or whatever other day you're listening to this. Um, make sure you guys remember to follow our accounts. I know it's like right at the start, you're telling me to follow. Well, that's how we keep everything updated. So that's how you know when things are coming out. That's how you know when events are happening. So follow our account at Cards of the Octagon on Instagram and at Cards Octagon on Twitter. Um, if you're still using Twitter, I don't know. There's a lot of controversy these days about Twitter. Uh, next up, follow All Time Cards at both at All Time Cards on Instagram and Twitter. And then follow 314 Sports Cards at 314 Sports Cards at Instagram and Twitter. And follow Food Film Fahad uh, also on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, that's myself. And then don't forget to go and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, it's just Cards of the Octagon. You will see we have uploaded the um, Josh Emmett interview, the video. You can go watch it. I think it's like 25 minutes long. Um, super fun guy to talk to. Super um, informative in his answer. Um, and then thank you guys so much for all the support that we've been having the last four podcasts and the YouTube. Um, you guys keep motivating us to do more because you guys are enjoying it. And that's making us enjoy it. And we're enjoying it because we love UFC and we love cards. Um, on this episode, uh, we will be talking about the fight night that happened. We will be reviewing uh, Optic UFC. And we will talk about upcoming uh, pay-per-views and other fight nights, so on and so forth. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and uh, take it away, guys. Thanks so much for the great intro, as always, Fahad. Uh, let's go over the picks we made last weekend on the Arnold Allen versus Calvin Cater fight card. I think my strategy of trying to find a way to not have us tie, it didn't work. We tied again. I think we both got two of our three draft picks right yep. um, but you know we're gonna try that again today <laughs> in for this upcoming fight weekend and hopefully that someone either myself or you gavin can get more right than another person so i think i got uh waldo cortez acosta right yep i believe i also who's else who's also get right? young I, park I, I got Juden park right i lost on arlovsky yeah and I you, got Gavin, I got Max Hawes. Griffin and uh, Khalil Roundtree were my two correct. And then I was wrong, I believe, on Phil Hawes. Gotcha. Yeah. Both of our oh, wrong, no, I was wrong on I was wrong on Chase Hooper, actually. That's who I was wrong on. Yeah, surprising one to be wrong on because yep. I think Hooper was, he got steamrolled, but was in a position to win that fight, head into that fight, in my opinion. But that was, that was dumbing right into our first topic of this fight card was the yep. fact that Steve Garcia just completely dominated who at one point was a young phenom of the UFC and Chase Hooper. Yeah, Hooper, for sure. Hooper was in 2021 Prism, 2021 Select. He was, he's still very young, but it's a tough loss at his young age. Yeah, I mean, he's 11-3-1 now. Like you said, he's still only 23 years old. He was supposed to be that up-and-coming guy, and I mean, he still can be. Like we said, he's 23 years old. I mean, it was a pretty devastating loss. I mean, it was a pretty dominant KO by Garcia. Um, before this weekend, after this big loss for him, I mean, Chase Super cards were pretty heavily collected and invested in. I think a lot of people thought, as me, myself, I thought he was going to be a big up-and-coming guy. Um, in the UFC and as far as his cards go as of right now I mean with Chase Hooper I mean he's 23 11 3 and 1 still a good record still so young I think the thing that Chase Hooper needs to do is just 
well be more well-rounded i mean he's got a good ground game his striking is as more to be desired with striking so i think honestly we're probably going to see a dip in his market after that big big loss i mean it was a pretty dominant loss i think that there's going to be a small little dip in his market and i i don't know i don't know about chase right now i mean if you believe in chase it's probably a good time to buy chase since he is coming off that loss if you don't believe in chase maybe just hold off and see what's next for him yeah in in my perspective on chase hooper he was always sort of this cult following kind of fighter right I don't think too many people, at least when his cards came out, thought of him as being a like no-brainer next champion. Like, I don't think he was, at least at that point in time, in that position. And he's not there now, of course. But he's a funny guy, you know, tall. He had the whole thing with Ben Askren kind of being like his brother, whatever that was and stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's on social media, right? He he's on YouTube. Cards. collects cards on Twitch, I think, as well. So kind of this, like, you know, in the day and age of guys like Nate Diaz and... Sean O'Malley, he's kind of the the calmer, kind of un- more unique, kind of like laid back guy, right? He's, he's relatable. I doesn't think have much trouble. No, yeah, not going to be in trouble. That's not going to do, you know, super charismatic things, but just kind of a, a laid back young young guy. And that was, again, as you said, Gavin, very relatable for, for people, but I don't think many people thought he would at least head into the UFC in his run off the contender series to be a, a champion, no doubter. Uh, I'm wondering though, does he leave the UFC? Right? I mean, he was kind of, I think at age 21, fought in the UFC, had a win, had a loss. I think had a win, had a loss. But for me, it's like for his career, it might be best if he fights maybe two or three times outside the UFC, pick up some wins against you know solid competition, and then come back and try to make a run. Yeah, it, it's it, this is definitely a interesting event turn of events specifically i think the question is is do you think he was pushed into the ufc too soon it's it's a hard question with these young guys because like we've been talking about he is only 23 years old so like for me i don't think it's it's very hard to say that someone has been pushed too soon into the ufc it's it's a hard thing to determine because i mean we've seen chase succeed we've seen chase look really good and it's just hard to say is it too soon i don't think it's too soon i think the opponent that is steve garcia that he just fought was just pretty far ahead as far as skill goes against chase and i don't think chase was ready for that so i don't think he was necessarily pushed too soon i think that the competition that brought itself up to him this last weekend was a shell shock to him to be completely honest i don't think he was ready for it i agree well, and he won two fights, both of be a finish in the UFC. So he's he clearly can can pick up wins and hang with the best in the UFC. I just don't think he's evolved his game in a super super positive direction. You yeah, know, when definitely. when you when the UFC signs guys like Chase Hooper, they want them to improve fight to fight. You can't stay stagnant very long. Um, and he, in my opinion, Chase Hooper never made super super high level adjustments or improvements to where guys like steve garcia who are pretty solid fired not the super high level guy but can just blow you out of, blow you out of the water then right i mean it's 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 a similar instance to what we might see from raul rosas who's 18 years old now fighting december 10th so and he's 18 um and you know he's three years younger than hooper was at his debut and rosas's record i believe he's six and oh he's not faced very high level guys. I mean, yeah. he's faced guys 0 and 1, 
zero and zero, one and zero, two and zero, zero and two, and seven and one. Yeah, that's. I, I mean, I, that's I agree worrisome to me in some regard. When you have a guy that young, who yeah, he might be physically developed, but at what point do you say, hey, let's wait a little bit now and see what he can do in two or three years from from from, from now? I agree, a hundred percent. And going into the other loss, I mean, Chase was my wrong pick, and then your wrong pick was Arlovsky. What do you think about that? Yeah, I you know looking at the record of Arlovsky in his last you know three or four years of fighting. He's been able to beat guys like uh, Delima. Uh, this was simply just his age and his experience taking a toll on him in this fight. He kind of got blasted, right? He, he kind of got finished in the first round. And I think at what point does Arlovsky say, hey, it might be time, right? He's a former champion, yeah. a, a legend of the heavyweight division, has fought, I think, literally the best of the best at heavyweight from guys like Nganu, and and Rosenstreich to guys like, you know, older guys like Velasquez. You know, he's fought he's fought everybody, right? Dos Santos, you know, Overeem. He's fought everybody. So it's just at what point does Alaska say, "Hey, I've had fun doing this. Maybe I become a coach now at American Top Team, or I become a mentor for some of these younger guys at American Top Team." Right? It's it's tough for me now to see him going forward at a competitive level. Yeah. That's definitely true, and I'm glad you added that to the end at a competitive level. Because I mean, Arlovski, 34 and 21 is his record. He's 43 years old now, so he is getting on the older side as far as UFC fighters go. Um, he did lose first round submission. It's like he's completed so much and has so many accomplishments in the UFC heavyweight division. It's hard to see him go if he does decide to go. But like you said, there's not that much left in my eyes, to be completely honest to complete in the heavyweight division right now. I don't know if he's going to, he's not really a contender. He, I know he's still kind of winning here and there, but it's like, I don't see him making a run for a title or even getting into the top five. So it's just like, maybe it right. might be time. So right. that's in, how I in, see it with Arlovsky. And losing to Delima is, is not a, it's not, I mean, it's not something to write home about. It's a, he's a, he's, Delima's a great fighter. You know, he's a borderline top 15, but for a guy to lose to him, the way he lost to him, at the age he lost to him, with the experience level he lost to him, that's what's concerning to an extent, right? If a young guy lost to lost to lost to Delima the way the way Arlovski did, yeah, he'll get him next time, right? There's no problem. But it's a it's it's a downward fall from where Arlovski once was. So that's what's concerning to me, I think. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. And then going on to the next one, we had Phil Hawes losing by TKO, which that fight was very entertaining. Didn't go down how I wanted to go down, um, but definitely a very entertaining fight. What'd you think about it? Yeah, I thought, you know, I mean, on paper, someone was going to be KO'd in that fight. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I picked Phil Hawes. I think he was the one who I thought was going to win, but look, Me too. Roman Dolce has beaten Kyle Dawkins. He's now beaten Phil Hawes. Very sneaky fighter at that division of 185. I mean, he is a he's a brutal puncher, a hard hitter, got some good grappling skills as well. We've seen in past fights to where Roman Dolce is someone to watch in that 185 division. You know, we we kind of waiting for some 185ers to step up. You know, into that top fifteen, in top ten, it could be him. Yeah, man, he's he's very very strong. He he surprised me, man. I was not. I can't. I can't say I was expecting what we saw against Phil Hawes. To be completely honest. Like you said, we've been waiting for somebody to step up in that weight class for a little bit and move up the ranks. And 
I wasn't expecting him to do that, man. I mean, when he had his leg and he popped it out, uh, I mean, Phil Hawes is a warrior, man. I've seen, yeah. We've seen Phil Hawes take brutal beatdowns and still fight. And, I mean, hats off to him for getting up and still trying to fight as long as he did, even though he did lose. I mean, it was a great—I enjoyed that fight. And like I said, I wasn't expecting Roman to pull that off. And congratulations to him, man. If Phil Hawes is, will be back. I mean, he's, he's you know— Maybe a little bit older, but had some great fights. His knockout of Jacob Malkoon was just was 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 it was vicious. It was vicious to say the least. Like he's he'll be back. He'll be in the win column soon for sure. Yeah, and then next we've got the Khalil Roundtree Jr. versus Dustin Jacoby. A lot of people, as soon as the fight was over, it was kind of a toss up. I feel like a lot of people either disagreed with the decision or agreed with the decision. I had Roundtree winning as one of my picks. I got that correct. But I also, after the fight, I also did have Roundtree winning the fight. I do think it was close. Um, but I think a thing that we've been seeing more recently, as far as the judging goes in the UFC, from what I see in my perspective, I think they're scoring damage a lot more, like visual damage more than statistical things that they see uh specifically in this fight we saw jacoby had a lot of wear and tear especially on the face khalil not so much i mean he was pretty gassed after the fight pretty tired but i think that that damage that khalil did cause probably got him the edge on that fight and that's why i think he won to be completely honest i agree i think the damage in that fight again by a visual perspective was definitely to roundtree's favor uh, and, and and good for Roundtree, right? I mean, this is a guy that oh yeah, since he fought on the Ultimate Fighter, I think it was you know maybe 2016, 26, It was a long time ago. He's kind of been the what if of this division, right? He's had some some big wins, got over guys like Gokan Saki, Eric Anders, got some big losses, guys like Prakneel beat him, right? Like he's had some some ups and some big downs. This is, I believe this is, I believe now his third win in a row over a guy that. I believe was ranked so or close to being ranked so Roundtree now is you know he's always been this really physical specimen guy is a great Muay Thai boxer now it's time for him to get back in the hopefully early next year and really see what he can do in the in the top 15. Yeah definitely I mean that was a big win for him and I'm glad that he did get the win because like you said he's had really big ups and really big downs I think this is a great turnaround for him Dustin Jacoby's no joke I mean if you guys saw Dustin Jacoby's fight before this fight last weekend. I mean, he had one of the vicious, most vicious knockouts I've seen in a while against Dewoon Jung. So, I mean, for him to stay, not get knocked out by Dustin Jacoby, compete and win, I mean, congratulations to him, man. I'm yeah, I will definitely. I will say this. If you don't know Khalil Roundtree's like, full life story, look it up on YouTube or, oh, yeah. or Google. Like, his dad was killed as for, as being a bodyguard. Like, his his life story up to where he is, he was, he was, to, to use to use to use his words, he was fat and then did MMA to lose weight. Like it's his 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 story now to where he is now as a pro top fifteen fighter is is crazy. Mad respect for Khalil Roundtree, mad love for him. I hope he does great things in the future next year. Yeah, definitely, I completely agree. And then we had Cortez Acosta winning in a very fun, dominant fight, in my opinion. I I enjoyed it, man. I yeah. I think Cortez Acosta did look good, but I think I had a lot of critiques on him as well. I think he can go far in the division, but man, he's he's got to work on checking some leg. The leg kicks were yeah, I those thought, were bad. I thought his leg was gonna snap. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't think like getting into the third round where he just kept getting his legs chopped, man. I didn't know how much longer his leg was going to last. 
So I, like I said, I think he could be good in the future, better than he is now, even though he's already really good. But he's got to work on the leg kicks. Man, I was literally cringing yeah. watching his legs get chopped as hard as they did. I agree. And and look, heading into this fight for for Waldo Cortez Acosta, like he was he seven he was seven to zero at the time. Now he's eight to zero, fighting a guy who I believe in Vendra who had lost three in a row. So he was the heavy favorite, the fresh guy off the first round KO on the Contender series. Like you know, big favorite, but very very high expectations right and he delivered he got the win but maybe it wasn't as dominant as we thought it would be i agree but again a lot to work on but a lot to be happy about a lot a lot of positives in the way he kind of used his technical side of things to get to get the win um yeah i think i i wouldn't go top 15 for him right now going into his next fight but definitely someone maybe another veteran guy who i think could could, who could give him a, a little bit of a test yeah, no, it was, like, I, it was so fun watching that fight because you could tell both of those guys were having a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Like you said, wasn't a very dominant, dominant fight to the extent that a lot of us thought it was going to be. Um, Jared Vandera, I thought he did pretty well. I mean, he took some shots for sure, but I think he lasted a lot longer than anybody else thought he would. Um, and them doing the salsa, I think it was in the third round back and forth. I thought that was pretty funny and enjoyable to watch. <laughs> it. They were really having a good time, and that fight was fun, man. I enjoyed it. Yeah, and Cortez Acosta's, I think, one of the only fighters ever to be born and from the Dominican the Dominican Republic. So kind of an untapped market there. We'll see what he can do with it going into 2023. I just want to say one more thing about him, too. Did you hear that he could throw like a 95-mile-per-hour fastball? Yeah, I saw that. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, he could throw like a 90, yeah, that's right, 95-mile-per-hour fastball. Yeah, I mean, absolutely insane. And I, and I believe it, the way he... I believe you know, it, too. Is, his physique, his size, his his arms. Like, I believe that. Oh, so, yeah, I believe it, too. Um, but it's just kind of crazy to hear about that. You know, these guys in the UFC can so do athletic. other sports besides being in the UFC, right? <laughs> so athletic. And then next, we had Max Griffin versus Tim Means, two veterans that did need a big win on either side. Uh, I want to say congratulations to Max getting the win against Tim Means. It was a great fight, man. Max dominated in my opinion i think he won every round i know that the judge did give tim means one round and tim means did not agree with that he thought even tim means even tim means disagreed with that so i I was glad to see that kind of mutual respect as well i mean it would be one thing if tim means was upset or something that he didn't get more rounds but i think everybody saw it especially tim means yeah max man max looked really really good i think we could see Max get in a 15 to 12 ranked guy in the welterweight division next. I, I really enjoyed what I saw from Max Griffin. Yeah, his fight against Tim Means, it was kind of, I feel like it was sort of the culmination of what we've seen from Griffin in the past maybe five or six fights, right? Kind of yeah. these these big moments of success, these big moments of getting hit and not having some success, right? But he kind of, to me, really put it all together in this fight versus Tim 100%. Means to where he's looking more complete than ever before. And yeah, I, I agree. I, I think he's in the position now to fight somebody in that top 15, top 13, whatever it might be, and give them a very, very good competitive fight and see if he can take his ranking, their ranking spot. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I pointed out last episode on the preview before the fights. I mean, Max's debut was against Colby Covington. I think that speaks a lot to what the UFC does think about Max. And I'm sure they still do think the same now that he is coming back and had a dominant win. I mean, he put everything together. You couldn't have said it better. He, his striking looked sharp. His ground control was sharp. 
I mean, he even broke, I don't know if he broke his hand, but he definitely messed up his hand when he got the knockdown against Tim Means. I believe, was that the first or second round? He knocked Tim Means down and he ended up, I think, either breaking or dislocating his hand. He posted on Instagram. So for him to fight through an injured hand, especially it being, I think, his dominant hand and still getting the win in a dominant fashion is super cool as well. Well, in three of his last four losses were split, were split losses, right? Right, they were very, very close. Yeah. Daniel Magni, Alex Oliveira, and Tiago Alves—three, in my opinion, legends of the welterweight division—and the Magni and Oliveira fights were very, very close. So he's proven that he can hang with guys in that top fifteen, like No Magni earlier this year in March. Right, he can he can hang with those guys, and maybe with a few critiques, a few adjustments that we may have seen versus Team Means, maybe he can win those fights now going forward. Yeah, 100%. Going into the main event, we had Arnold Allen beating Calvin Cater. I know it wasn't the way most of us wanted to see it go down with Cater. Did he blow his knee out? I'm not sure the specific injury that he obtained, but he ended with a knee injury that went into the TKO by Arnold Allen. Like I said, not the way we wanted to see it happen, but Arnold Allen did look extremely sharp. But the thing is, it's hard with a guy like Cater. You can't count him out because... If the knee didn't blow out, we can do the ifs and what's, what would have happened. But I mean, you, it's, it's hard to say because, like I said, Cater's very strong, man. I think he could have probably turned that fight around, but you never know. So right. Alan got the win. What do you think's next for both of these guys? Yeah, I think, I think Arnold Allen, he's got to be in that, you know, either interim title fight or like Max Holloway fight. Like yeah. that to me is sort of. There's, there are two obvious steps for him next. It's either, in my opinion, first Josh Emmett for the interim belt, if Volkanovski goes to fight 155 versus Islam, or if Volk stays to, 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 to defend, I would have Volk versus Emmett and have you know Holloway, okay, yeah. Holloway versus Allen or Yair versus Allen and Kader versus maybe someone like Zombie maybe. like I think Kader would be a good, if he's healthy, would be a good fight for the Korean Zombie at featherweight. Um, but to me, yeah, definitely Arnold Allen should be either in a title fight or like one fight away from a title fight. Yeah, it, it's a hard one. It's a very interesting division because it's like we have Arnold Allen, which this was supposed to be his test and his big step up since, I mean, this is one of his biggest step up in his career. And it's it sucks that it ended that way. But it's like in the division, we've got Max at number one and we've got Ortega at number three two guys that have had multiple shots. And then we've got Yair Rodriguez at two and Josh Shimon at four. I agree with you. I do think Josh deserves either the shot at the title or the interim shot. So I can see Josh versus Allen, maybe for the interim, if Volk does go up and challenge Islam. Or maybe, like you said, maybe we see Arnold Allen get the number one fight against Max Holloway or something like that. And as far as Cater goes, I mean, depending on when and the severity of his injury. I don't really know what's next for Cater. He's still such a tough guy. I mean, he fights good fighters. I think the TKZ does make sense. I mean, maybe he needs to take a step back, fight somebody a little bit behind him, get his feet under him, and maybe get a good win under his belt against a top 10 guy. And then maybe he works himself back up to maybe a title shot eventually. I don't know. I don't know. But it could also, could also see Cater fight maybe the winner of Mitchell Topuria as sort of the, the veteran of that division That's now true. going forward. Uh, but for me, it's like Max Holloway is kind of 
the weird spot of the featherweight division, right? He's lost yeah. to Volk three times now, but he has wins over Yair and Cater and Ortega, you know? So it's like, how do you view him? You know, he needs a big fight. He's number one in the division, but I don't know if the UFC wants to be in a spot where he wins his next fight and then he's due for the, for the fourth title shot, right? And, but again, it's all if Volkanovski stays at 145, which I think he probably would, at least he'd probably try to be a double champ if he wins a, a, a lightweight, right? So kind of a weird spot. All I can say, though, is I, I definitely think there should be a big, big fight for Josh Emmett and Arnold Allen, two guys that have not lost in a while, two guys that are looking fresh, are looking good. Very sharp. Or to me, it's the guys that are below him, him them, even though they're maybe better in the, in the in the rankings, Holloway and Ortega and Yair. Guys that have either had their shot or like Yair's case has had some losses in there as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like you said, Max has had three shots with Volk. Yair beat T City. Unfortunately, that fight didn't go as many thought it would. It's hard to say what would have happened if Ortega didn't try to pull his shoulder out and then it dislocate, obviously. So it's hard to give Yair the benefit of the doubt to get the title shot before someone like Josh, who has had a dominant win, and even Arnold Allen, who has had a good win. It's hard, man. It's it's a very weird situation for sure. Even on paper, though, like in my head, I am more excited about if it's going to be interim title fight, great. But like I'm more excited about Allen versus Emmett than almost any other fight in that division. I mean, Arnold versus Arnold Allen versus Josh Emmett to me is the fight that needs that needs that needs to happen at 145. Yeah, whether it's for the for the interim belt, that's probably better for them, of course. But like that fight, we need to see, in my opinion. I would love to see it. I mean, I think that would be a very very good fight for sure. I agree. So next segment, we we are going to do a little bit of a sports card UFC segment. We're going to preview. Uh, Donruss Optic UFC. So some of the the screenshots, screen grabs, and some of the uh, sell sheet stuff has made its way to various card sites and Google for that matter. So the product is due to release on November sixteenth. I believe it's a Wednesday. Uh, yep, I believe it's a Wednesday. It's going to have one autograph per box, twenty inserts or parallels per box. It's going to have autographs from a set such as rated rookie signatures. Voices of the Octagon Autos and Optographs. Going to have Downtowns and Black Pandoras in there as well. Boxes right now are pre-selling on some of the big store sites for for between two and two fifty. Uh, seems like pretty good value there, in my opinion. I mean, Donruss, the base Donruss came out at that price when it came out. And this is optics, kind of better, in my opinion. That's exactly what I thought as soon as I saw that. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think to me, it's like a pretty. I, We'll say average of two and a quarter. It's a pretty good price because again, that's what the the paper donors exactly. Yeah. yeah, and you're I, probably going to get more cards here or, or more numbered cards here. I agree. I mean, I think it's very good value in my opinion, and I think that's the first thing I thought as soon as I saw these prices releasing. I mean, the paper Donruss, where most of that set consists of base cards, which everybody knows that rips UFC stuff. Um, for it to be around the same price, I think is amazing because. Comparing to other sports, I mean, optic and basketball and football is a very, very coveted set. A lot of people love it. I think since the UFC is still new as far as 
Panini UFC cards go. They're kind of just testing the waters. And I think that's good for us as UFC fans and collectors because, I mean, we're getting a very nice and some consider it a little bit more of a high-end looking product as well for an amazing price per box um, from what we yeah. see so far. So I'm excited. I think this the inserts in this product as such as the downtowns and the black pandoras just make it so much better and i'm really excited for it yeah definitely excited for the downtowns you know i think they have the uh, anderson silva one on the cell street because some of the brazilian uh monuments in the background going to be a very cool set to complete in my opinion i am a little worried though that the ufc brand from panini is getting a bit like optic select prism heavy yeah. you know the kind of the chrome stock cards i would have liked to, to see maybe more of a of a hit driven maybe even more affordable product something that's like a certified or some sort of you know maybe a maybe a, a an elite product something that's kind of you know kind of a unique product to ufc maybe too like i think i'm getting like a, caught like a yeah. hoops equivalent to so something yeah, or like a revolution maybe you know something that's even i know it's yeah. hit driven but something that's not as shiny and as like nba tie-in if that makes sense call it call it gloves or something that's, like that yeah that'd be cool no i think panini and, and, black yeah. would have been cool yeah panini panini black would have been there because awesome. it's it's not like i think panini black would be that perfect middle ground set to just mix in there so we're not as prism and select and optic heavy because it has the shine but it's not overwhelming and it's kind of just like that kind of mid-range price to where you can get something really cool and you get a shot at something crazy and i think that would be a good product to mix in there as well i agree i mean, I, I mean again i love optic in other sports i'm excited for it to come out in ufc of course but you know you'll have paddy shiny paddy numbered cards in prism select and now optic right it's like and we, we only make, you know, four to five products per year. It's tough to have, you know, all but one of them, not but but, but Chronicles and maybe down as well, be a Chromium product, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's, just, it's just kind of my thought. It's like we're getting very NBA, NFL heavy, whereas to me, the market of UFC cards isn't quite there yet. Yeah. I mean, and it, I think the problem is, too, is that it is still fairly new. So with Chronicles releasing back-to-back uh, -back years now and we're getting not necessarily those specific product sets like black and crown and all that stuff we're not getting them strictly from their own individual products it is kind of hard for them to want to release i guess not want but to release a different product since they are coming out with chronicles so frequently since it has been back-to-back -back years yeah. so it's like does anybody really want that if you can just get it out of chronicles i guess that's where i see that standpoint at so maybe if they slow down on chronicles a little bit maybe replace that with a full product of one of the sets that are in chronicles Definitely. i think that would be a cool little fix for that um to mix in with select and prism and to kind of backpack off of select and prism since optic isn't very auto driven do you think it makes it too similar to select and prism or what do you think helps this product be different from select and prism since we did say it is kind of overwhelming with select prism and optic now i mean i think they're very similar and, and i actually like the fact that they're not autograph driven i yep. mean in my opinion there's some great fighters to pull autographs of, don't get me wrong, in Select and Prism and, and going to be Optic, but you don't have any super, super high-end autographs, whereas yeah. in NBA you have 
you know, Lamella Ball rookies or K Cunningham rookies. You know, NFL, you have, you know, Brady's and Mahomes. You have, you know, thousand dollars selling plus cards, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You have Habib. You have, you know, Yuri and Hamzat. Maybe Islam signs an optic, right? Like you have these big names, but no one that's going to, you don't have the patty transcend or the, the, the case, right? Yeah, exactly. No patty, no Connor. Um, probably going to be a very little GSPs and Silvas, right? So it's just, and even if they had Connor, I still don't think that would be a very, very huge card, in my opinion. You know, UFC fighters come and go so frequently now that, like, there is no one that's going to be, you know, a five figure autograph, right? Unless, like, a one one or something, right? So yeah. I like the idea that Pinini is trying to keep it more insert rookie numbered parallel driven, but their products are still way too similar in kind of the components, in my opinion. Yeah, I think, in my opinion, I think the thing that strays Optic away from Select and Prism just a little bit, because they, I mean, they do have a lot of similarities. I think, in my opinion, though, the biggest difference are going to be those downtown inserts into Optic. I think that does kind of stray them away from Select and Prism and the fact of that is a pretty big chase. Um, obviously, you want blacks and golds and that kind of stuff and other sets but i think those downtowns i mean we've seen in other products as basketball and football i mean they're heavily heavily chased so for having a card that is chased that heavy in other sports bringing that to the ufc is going to be good i think for the hobby not only because we get to see some downtowns and some ufc but i think that's also going to bring some other people that collect basketball and football and they love the downtown sets because i know there's so many people who love the downtowns that maybe want some downtowns in ufc and that's going to put more eyes on the ufc and that's what i love to see i agree i am curious about one thing before we go to the next segment i'm not sure if they're going to make optic ufc retail They've yeah, done it in true. they've done it in Select this year. They've done it in Prism this year, and they've done it in Chronicles too. It's like if they don't have optic retail, I think it could be a very very good product at the hobby price. But yeah. the many the many the many that you start having, you know, optic UFC retail exclusive parallels for blasters and megas and fat packs, that's when it gets really really watered down, in my opinion. I think that's a great point, especially I hate to say this, but especially in optic because. If you guys pay attention to the card world, which I know most of you guys do, I mean, we see it all the time. People have figured out, especially with optic football, how to see the downtowns and fat packs in retail stores as Walmart, Target, et cetera. So that's the thing that sucks. That's the downside of doing retail, especially with a product that has downtowns. So I kind of hope it doesn't come out retail. I hope it's just a hobby kind of thing I agree. for UFC Optic to be completely. Oh, and that's another question though, Gavin is like because select UFC, the retail was different than the hobby, right? The yeah. select retail UFC was all like the flash and the blues and the and the black and, and gold flash. That's a great point. So there were no cards that you could pull in hobby being pulled out of retail. That's a great now, point. And I think that's a good fix for, honestly, every sport, to be completely like, honest. But like an NBA, though, some NBA products, you have one of ones are just true blacks being pulled in retail that could also be pulled out of the hobby, right? So I'm hoping that if they do optic retail UFC, it's either, you know, just going to be like base cards and rookies, or it's going to be like only retail exclusive designs and cards. Yeah, I hope they don't do the fat packs. That's like the one thing I hope they do not do. I would hope that downtowns are hobby only, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's an even better fix, actually. That's the best one, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, where, definitely. Um, where would you guys, like, I know the product isn't out yet. But for those who don't know as much, where would you guys rank this 
amongst other products in terms of um, like quality, quantity compared to like Prism or Select? Like, would you yeah. say this is mid, low end, high end? What kind of ranking would you give it? I mean, I think it's it's kind of the easy answer, but to me, it's it's out of out of the in terms of the four kind of multi, multi pack products. Yeah, Chronicle, Select, Prism, Optic. I'd have it below Prism and above Chronicles. I'd probably have it right there with Select, in my opinion. Yeah, it's hard because I think I mean Prism. It's hard because Prism's price point is difficult right now, and I know a lot of people like Select as far as the price goes more than prism which i don't blame you because i mean select hobby you're getting two autos and a mem that's extremely hard to beat they're beautiful cards they've got great inserts great parallels so i mean i think i would have it from what we see and what i've seen in other sports i would have to say i would agree i think select and optic are probably tied right in there in the middle um and then obviously i think we would keep Prism at the top and then Chronicles at the bottom. Yeah, I'll say one more thing. Prism came out around a thousand bucks a box. Now it's like yeah. four four fifty. Obviously, at four fifty, that's where it's it's number one. Like at a thousand bucks, I'd rather buy, you know, two or three select boxes. No, there's no doubt in my mind. But at four fifty for a Prism hobby box, when you, when selects are you know two eighty five three twenty five in that range. Yeah, I think they're I like three twenty five now. Yeah, I I definitely rather buy Prism at four fifty than any other product that UFC makes, in my opinion. That Prism makes of UFC. A thing to point out there too, as well, from what I've seen on social media and different card groups and stuff. I mean, a lot of stuff from Select has been hit already. I mean, a good amount of the biggest hits have been hit. So Prism, since it did come out debut around a thousand dollars and now it's going down i feel like there's still a lot of hits out there for prism i mean i saw i think i saw the serial gone uh second year true black get pulled the other night and i mean at that price i mean i think that's a great pool for how for far they've gone yeah. down in price instead of going with select but i mean it is hard to compete with two autos and a mem in a hobby box for around i think it got up to 300 dollars. now i mean it's it's definitely hard to compete because now people are going to be like why would i get a optic box that has one autograph when i could go get a select box for a hundred more dollars and it's got two autos and a memorabilia card so it's hard but i think once people realize we'll see i think the thing is is we'll have to see how loaded or how medium or how not loaded optic is and how it'll compete against prism and select to be completely honest i think no matter what it'll be above chronicles I agree. but once it comes out and we see how good it is or how not good it is it, then we'll see how well it competes against Select and Prism. And one more quick thing. I, I, Gavin, you might know this. I'm not sure if the Patty Pimlet one-on-one True Black Prism has been, been pulled. I, just, I, guess, I think I read this a few, maybe a few weeks ago that people were speculating that it hasn't been pulled yet. Um, so another example of a card from Prism that's probably one of the product chasers that's not been pulled yet. I'm not sure exactly about the truth or not, but speculation that hasn't been pulled yet. I don't think it's been pulled, but I think I did see the Black Shimmer get pulled literally like two nights ago. So, yeah, so the first off the line out. exclusive, I believe, has been pulled. I think that was literally two nights ago, but I don't believe the True Black has been pulled to my knowledge. Possibly, but I don't believe so. So, I mean, that's probably the biggest chase you could get out of Prism. Yeah, it got pulled. The Black Shimmer got pulled two days ago. So, well, well it's, it's four, like an NBA piece for people listening. Um, and also if it gets, if the, the card gets pulled between recording 
And the time this episode comes out, that's not really our fault. So, well, it's like an NBA prism. There's, I don't think people think that the people don't think that the Luka Doncic one-on-one black has been 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 pulled yet. The 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 rookie. People are speculating that either it's been pulled and it's been kept quiet, or that the Luka Doncic one-on-one black prism has not been pulled yet. I would say so, I like your odds pulling the patty over the Luka. To be completely honest. Definitely, and the price point <laughs> is a lot cheaper too. That's for sure. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> All right, let's move into segment number three. Just a quick segment here talking over uh, trends we're seeing heading into the UFC 281 card. UFC 281 is, I believe, two weeks from Saturday. No, oh, sorry, a week from Saturday. It's coming up quicker yep. than I thought it was. So going to be a fun card. Of course, it's headlined by Adesanya versus Pereira. Of course, huge main event implications. Pereira will probably have rookies in 2023 products. Either the as big one. Yeah, either a champion or, or not the champion, right? So it's a great point. I was going to hit on that. I mean, we could see if Alex Pira beats Israel Adesanya, he's going to be a rookie in 2023 products as well. That's big enough as it is, but he could also be champ at the same time, which I think that would put him as one of the biggest chases in the product for sure. Now, the show here, Fod, myself, Gavin, we are definitely big Adesanya fans, yes. but it is it is a very interesting scenario where you have a guy like Pereira who's undefeated former pro kickboxer who yeah could have his first card come out as champion is kind of a crazy scenario <laughs> is he better that's I think so too Fahad the WFC come a week from Saturday it don't matter yeah. and if, <laughs> if Israel Adesanya does beat Piera what do you think is going to happen with his market yeah, I mean, this is Adesanya's on paper and based on just, like, hype and everything, in my opinion, his toughest test, 100%. right? We've seen him beat Whitaker twice, beat Vittorio, beat Cannonier, beat Costa. This is a different type of test here. This is a different type of fighter, a guy that's dominated his way up with knockouts through kickboxing and UFC, has a knockout over Adesanya in kickboxing, right? So, tough mental fight for Adesanya, too, right? He's... Off that Cannonier fight where people thought it was kind of boring, right? He won be he won pretty handily, but it's kind of boring, people thought, right? And meanwhile, Pereira on, on the same night, KO'd Sean Strickland in, in the first round. So yeah, big knockout. The the tough fight for Asanya, but I think if he gets past Pereira with flying colors, his stock becomes top three pound for pound, 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 for pound in my opinion. I agree. Well, I, I mean also, Yeah, go ahead, Kevin. I said I agree. I mean, I think if he beats Alex, I think it's going to solidify him, not only as top three pound for pound, but one of the goats of the UFC, in my opinion. I mean, the, the fact, like you stated, he's beat Robert Whitaker twice. Robert Whitaker is not just a pushover fighter in the UFC. Robert Whitaker is a fan favorite one. Two, he's extremely well-rounded. And three, he's tough as nails. So for Izzy to beat him twice, I mean, I think if he gets the win against Alex... He's going to be considered a goat in the UFC, in my opinion, and his stock will heavily increase. Well, and if he beats Pereira, in my opinion, there's no one else at middleweight for him to fight. No, there's not. Like, we could be looking at a, another jump to 205. Yeah, maybe against Yuri Prohaska or Clover Teixeira. I hope you know, not. It scares me. It does scare me, too. I'm a big Yuri <laughs> fan, though, as, you know, as I know, people know. But, like, there, there's, there, there's, there's no one else for him to fight at 185. I mean, he's... Yep. He would have just completely cleared it out, in my opinion. You know, I don't think Hermanson or Till or Duplessis. I mean, these are guys that are good, but 
they're not, they're not ready yet. to fight. They're not there yet. Exactly. Well, I think also like if you have watched Izzy's last two, three, maybe even four fights, um, they're like he fights in a way that like he's doing just enough to defend his title, right? Where he's like kind of conserving energy, conserving. Like you watch him fight, and you're just like, he could be doing more, but he's not choosing to because have he to. doesn't. He doesn't need to exactly. Um, and I think, I think with a fight, the fight that's coming up uh, for him, I think we're gonna see Izzy kind of start pushing a little more, where he kind of, yeah, he kind of puts in a lot more effort to show people that like, hey, just just because I slowed down. Because I didn't need to, because I didn't need to be fast doesn't mean I can't go fast. And I think right. that's going to be, again, like you said, it's going to be a true test because he hasn't really needed to recently. And he might, he might pull out the guns this fight and actually remind people who he is. And he's, and he's had three fights the Gaslam fight, the first Whitaker fight, yep. and the Costa fight all come to mind as fights where when he puts the pedal, pedal down, he could knock people out, literally. Like he, or he can go five super, super hard rounds with Kelvin Castle, right? So he can do it. We know he can. He knows he can. He's, he hasn't had to recently, right? He beat Cannoneer to 50 to 45 on all three scorecards, right? It was, a, it was a, in my opinion, a dominant, handily one fight. Yeah, I um, wouldn't say he's conserving energy. I would say that he's just on a whole nother level at the moment to where I know people want to say it's boring to watch, but when he knows how to navigate around the octagon and score points and win that way, there's no reason for him to chase knockouts. Yeah, to me, to, to me, be completely honest, to me, it's on Pereira to challenge Adesanya. I think he's going to sit Kananier, back and try to count. Cannonier, Cannonier didn't. Cannonier did not do much in my opinion in, in, in that fight. Marvin Vittori no, did not. Robert Whitaker in the second fight did not do much. And Adesanya is like, well, look. I'm going to throw my jab and my leg kick and beat you all for five rounds. Yeah, right? and he just circles. And that's what he did all three times, right? I know. Yeah. I'm like geeking out because we're talking about Izzy and Izzy's my favorite. But also, like, like I think it's it's crazy because you watch him fight and this man's just standing there breathing through his nose. Like, he doesn't need to breathe through his mouth. He doesn't need to do any. Like, he just, he looks so calm and collected. And I think, yeah, a lot of people do, like you said, Gavin, perceive that as kind of boring. But to me, it looks even more terrifying whenever I watch him fight. Yeah. And he's had, no, like, in Paulo sure. Costa, when he pressed, when, when Paulo Costa pressed the action in round two of their fight, he got knocked out, right? So it's <laughs> like, yeah, it's scary because he's so precise. He's so technical. He's not, you know, the super buff, you know, massive guy. But he will knock you out if you make a mistake. He's proven He's that. He's proven that, yes. The co-main event of that fight, let's talk about that real quick. We got yeah, Carlos Barza and Wei Lee. I mean, this card is stacked. We had 280. I mean, we are being blessed by the UFC gods at the end of the year. And 282 is good, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just keeps getting better and better. We've got Carlos Barza versus Zhang Wei Lee. I think... As far as card trends go with these two, Asparza doesn't have the biggest fan base. She isn't the biggest fan favorite, as we all know, who collect UFC cards, which is kind of crazy to me. I, she's a two-time champ. I, she does not get any respect, which is crazy to me, like I said. I mean, I know, for her example, a lot of people consider her fights boring as well because she's a heavy wrestler. People find that boring. 
that kind of reflects her card market in my opinion but for her being a double champ two-time champ kind of crazy that her cards don't go for pretty much anything and as far as Wei Li card trend goes, I mean, we're seeing it already. People are heavily investing in Wei Li. Everybody's counting Aspars out pretty much. Ultimately, together, everybody thinks that. So we've already seen an increase in Wei Li. I think if Wei Li wins, probably going to explode the market on her as well. And I'm going to say one quick thing about the last three pay-per-views of the year. We will have a fight. We had Islam versus Oliveira. We're going to have Adesanya versus Pereira. And that two, two it's going to be Yuri Prohaska versus Colbert Deshera too. That to Easy. me are the three, the three best fights of the year on paper. I mean, what a what a murderer's row of fights to end the year! Like just amazing fights. Madness. I mean, I love it. Islam Oliveira was great. Asani Pereira will be great. Yuri versus Glover one was great. This is gonna be two is gonna be good too. Like there's no doubt in my mind. I mean, we yeah. could see we could see a different dynamic in how these cards. The card market is stacked. That could change between now and the new year. I agree. I mean, you have three fighters, one that already happened with Islam, but you have Adesanya and Pereira, and then you have Yuri and Glover. Three different champs, potentially. Yeah, I mean, it could be interesting Pretty to see crazy. what happens. I mean, Yuri, if he beats, people are still kind of sleeping on him a bit, right? He he barely won that. He won late against Glover Deshera, right? But if he comes out and dominates Glover... He could be top five pounder pound next, right? Asanya could be the GOAT next, right? He, he could be in that conversation if he beats Pereira handily. So a lot of big outcomes to come throughout the, the last you know, two months of the year. Yeah, and then I wanted to touch on one more person on the Israel Asanya card. We've got Aaron Blankfield, who is also a likely rookie, as well as Alex Pereira, in the new 2023 products that are coming out next year. I think if she's fighting Molly McCann, which is a she's a massive fan favorite. And I think the question is with her, and I think a lot of people are already ramping up for this. And I want to ask you this, Devin. Do you think if Aaron beats Molly, that Aaron is going to be a chase in the 2023 products? Because if Molly wins, obviously, her being friends with Patty, her having two very crazy dominant knockout performances... She's probably already going to be a chase, but if she loses to Aaron, do you think Aaron, they switch and Aaron's the chase in the product in 2023? I definitely think so. Uh, Blanchfield, even on paper, I think has the better resume, has the better sort of collectible style that people are going to want. And I think Blanchfield's actually the favorite right now in that fight. She's going in there as the betting favorite. McCann's a great entertainer, great fan favorite. She's had a couple losses, right? She's had some setbacks in the UFC. Blanchfield is, I believe, undefeated. Or maybe her only loss was, I think, Tracy, Tracy, Tracy Cortez pre-UFC, who's a great fighter in the UFC right now. So she's only lost once in her, I believe, her first pro fight. So she's coming in to take a spot, I believe, of Molly McCann as the big chase in 2023 products. And to me, she'll probably do it, in my opinion. I agree. So next up, we will talk about the fight card this Saturday. There'll be 13 fights from the UFC Apex. It's headlined by Marina Rodriguez versus Amanda Lemos. Sorry, 12 fights. I believe the... Uh, actually, there was one fight canceled as of this morning. Uh, Jalton Almeida versus Mexican Grishin was canceled due to Grishin. Uh, I think he got hurt or something, but he pulled out of that fight. So that fight's off the card. So now there's just 12 fights on the card. It's a pretty solid fight night. It's headlined by, again, Marina Rodriguez versus Amanda Lemos. 
kind of two, you know, veteran fighters in up and coming division. Yeah. 100%. I mean, we've got number three, Marina Rodriguez. She's 35 years old. She's got four wins in a row. She's got pretty nice wins, honestly. She's got a win over Mackenzie Dern and then a win over, how do you pronounce her name again, Devin? Zhao Nan. Zhao Nan Yan. That's it. And then amongst others as well. I mean, her only loss is against the current champ, Carla Esparza. I think her resume speaks for itself, man. She's a great contender. She's the number three spot. She's got big wins. She's got Rose and Esparza and Whaley ahead of her, so obviously that's a very, very big mountain to climb. Then we've got Amanda Lemos, who's number seven in the division. She's 35 years old as well. She's 12, 2, and 1, and she's coming off a win over Michelle Waterson. Um, it's a hard one. It's kind of a toss-up. What do you think, yeah, summary-wise? To, to me, on paper, not so much about style, but more about technique. I think Rodriguez is a technical... You know, she uses her reach and her distance to kind of pick her opponents apart. Whereas Lemos is a finisher. She'll yep. either knock you out or she'll choke you out. Either or, have your pick. But she's that type of fighter. Or she'll get choked out or, or she'll get knocked out, right? She's yeah. kind of get finished or I'll finish you kind of fighter. So kind of a clash of styles and techniques here to where could make for a very fun up to five round main event. Yeah, definitely. And then the co-main is also very exciting. We've got Rodriguez versus Magni. We've got number 14, Daniel Rodriguez. He's 17-2. and two. He's on a four-fight win streak. He's got eight wins by KO. He's coming off a last-minute win against the Leech. And, I mean, he's got great striking. His chin looks good. I think he's a good up-and-coming welterweight in the division. And then on the opposite side, we've got number 13, Neil Magni, who's 26-10. and 10. We spoke about Neil a little bit earlier when we were talking about Max Griffin. I mean, Neil Magny is a very, very good fighter. I mean, he's very well experienced. He's 26 and 10, like I said. He did just come off a loss against Shavkat, who may be champion one day. I mean, Shavkat, a lot of people think Shavkat, so that loss doesn't speak too much about who Neil Magny is. I mean, it's going to be a good fight. I'm, I'm excited to see how this fight goes down because I think there's still a big question mark on Daniel Rodriguez. I think a lot of people thought that the Leech won against Daniel Rodriguez's last fight. So I think Daniel Rodriguez is really going to want to prove himself and show people that he is who he said he was. And I'm excited, man. I think it's going to be a good fight. Definitely. And that was kind of a, a weird circumstance for Rodriguez. Credit yeah. him for coming, for coming back and fighting you know, what, two months, did. yeah, a month and a half, two months later. So, kind of put that in the rearview mirror as a short notice fight versus the Leech, you know, tough matchup. But he got the win. And yeah, he's fighting a guy in Magni who has really not only fought to the best of the best, but only lost to the best of the best. So, the great test for Rodriguez, see if he can climb the ranks at 170. Yeah, definitely. Also on the card, we have Mark Madsen versus Grant Dawson. Mark Madsen's 12-0, so undefeated. I believe he was a former Olympic wrestler. His, his, his nickname is The Olympian. He's 38, so a little bit older, but has three wins, sorry, four wins and no losses in the UFC. Taking on Grant Dawson, who I believe is a little bit younger. Yeah, he's 28 years old. Um, has not lost in the UFC either. I believe he has six wins in the UFC with one draw. It's a good fight here. A good grappler in Dawson, but it's a great wrestler in Madsen. Makes for a very, you know, intriguing matchup. That's an interesting one. Uh, both of these guys physically 
are extremely strong. So like you said, Madsen does have the edge on the wrestling, but Dawson, I give him the edge on the grappling and it's going to be interesting because if you look at the physique on both of these guys, they are very, very massive. So it'll be interesting how this plays out because I guess it's just what do you think is going to be more effective, wrestling or grappling? And I don't, I don't know. That's, that's a toss-up one for me. Yep. Also on the card, we have Benito Lopez, who I believe is fighting Mario Bautista. Lopez is 10-1. I think he's still 28 years old, but he's fighting for the first time in three years. He fought his debut in back in 2017 is uh is one and two and is sorry is two and one in the ufc but again his, his last fight was somewhere up 2019 good to have him back in the division of bantamweight yeah definitely it's going to be a good fight because his counterpart is 10 and 2 he's 10 and 1 it's going to be interesting it's going to be fun bantamweight fights are always fun in my opinion especially on these smaller cards people don't expect anything crazy yeah. to happen i could see that fight going down as fight of the night for sure all right, well, let's jump into our pick draft. Yep. Fod, Fod, you can write, you can write it down, Fod. Who's going to uh, first I pick? It. I got yeah. it. I'll got give it. it to you this time, Gavin. You can pick You want first. me to get first? It doesn't you matter to me. You, okay. you're, 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 you're picking first. Okay, I'll go first. Let's see. All right. Ooh, this is a hard one, man. I think with my first pick, I'm going to lock in... Ooh. See, this might sound crazy. I might go with somebody that a lot of people don't expect. I'm going to go for my first pick. I'm going to pick Jake Hadley. That's a good one. Flyweight out. I'm Jake Hadley. Jake Hadley. I'm going to go with my first pick, a guy with 37 pro wins on his record. Baylin Nerdenbake. It's a good pick, too. The solid, underrated fighter at featherweight. Good luck spelling that name, by the way, Vod. Good luck spelling that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Gavin, who's your pick sec? Who's your second pick, um, Gavin? What is it again? <laughs> it's Shaylin Nerdenbake. Shaylin. All right. My second this pick. S H A Y L I A N. Ooh. I think for my second pick, I'm going to go with the underdog. I'm going to take an underdog. I think that's the only thing, the right thing to do. I'm going to pick Mark Madsen. I'm going to pick the Olympian man. Solid pick. Devin, this your... my second my second pick? Yeah. I'm going with the debutante at women's bantamweight in the first part of the night, Tamirez Vidal. He doesn't have a picture, so. <laughs> She's making your debut, that that's why. I got it wrong. <laughs> Maybe you're on. I thought I was onto something. We'll see. Maybe if you start the streak of no picture people, it'll catch on was that your second pick yeah yep so gavin this is your third uh for my third and final pick i am gonna go with Ooh, i'm gonna go Ooh, i'm going between two i'm gonna say let's go with daniel rodriguez let's go d-rod i like d-rod i was riding with d-rod against the lead so i'm gonna go d-rod again that's a hard one though it's gonna be close yeah, these are some these are some tough fights to pick here. Now pick Lemos. Pick pick her. My is it my turn? Yeah, it's your turn. See, like like look, like the Parisian for Sherman fight, <laughs> to me is a toss-up. Like Ulan Beckoff Manas, to me is a toss-up. But I'm going to go with Miranda Maverick Ooh. for Shauna Young. I'm gonna pick Miranda Maverick. 
I was not expecting you pick. to pick that one. I mean, that's the biggest lock of the night looking at it. She's minus 600. That's why I picked I'm a smart guy, you know? You are. I was kind of just <laughs> throwing one out there. If D-Rod wins, I hope D-Rod wins, man. I like D-Rod. I think we both have like three solid, solid picks. I think you guys would do too. I think we'll Jake see. Hadley is a good one. We'll, I agree. We'll see. We'll see. That's probably my heaviest. I think mean, I'm, I'm going to win, but I got you know you got three Oof. good picks too, Gavin. So I think you're going to win too, but I think I could win. <laughs> wow. Wow. Listen, no, I picked an no underdog. Confidence. Hey, I do have confidence, but well, statistically no looking, he has so. confidence in my picks. Is what he does really. I have confidence in both of our picks. I think we <laughs> should just work together. <laughs> That's right. All right. Final segment of the show. Our UFC slash UFC card news. Yeah. Drumroll, please. All right. So it was it was it wasn't announced, but it was kind of leaked. speculated and now leaked that there will be immaculate UFC from Pinini coming out again, probably late this winter. Uh, speaking of Grant Dawson, who's fighting this Saturday, <laughs> Grant Dawson was the one who leaked the picture of him signing his immaculate cards. So yes. I think we all kind of know that they will be the second coming of a Macklin UFC again probably for this winter time when it came out last year I'm pretty sure so you know should be a fun product kind of a high end product I had hoped that they would do something something different I had hoped for maybe you know impeccable or Panini Black you said Gavin would have been a good one yeah. something different uh, I'm not sure why they're doing like literally the exact same Prism Select Chronicles Macklin with maybe Optic and Domus added in there I'm not sure uh, maybe next year they'll do some new products in different ones, maybe. But I would think so. either I way, think it should be done. a fun product. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. But like, either way, it should be fun to see a market again, probably at a lower price point this year too. I would think so. Also announced this past week was that Terence McKinney, the fan favorite T Rex, has his next fight. Uh, it's going to be January twenty first in Rio. This, and this is per the McKinney, I believe it was his Twitter account. He's going to be fighting Ismail Bonfim, who has not fought in the UFC yet, has a win on the Contender Series late summer. Should be a good fight. McKinney is very, very kind of aggressive, exciting, had that quick KO. I believe it was a match for, a match for Vola, then had the great fight for Strudover that only lasted one round, but it was a great fight. Should be a fun fight on that Rio card. Yeah, anything McKinney news is always exciting, because like you said, sparks fly when he gets in the octagon. He's a very personal guy on Twitter and Instagram, too. I like that about him, for sure. Maybe we get a patty fight soon? That should be good. <laughs> Another good topic for the UFC news was an interesting sale on Hey Habib Nurmagomedov one-of-one card. Yes. So his 2022 Prism flashback, select the old-school Prism 1213 MB design from this past year's Prism. It's a, it was graded PSA 10, the one-of-one. It sold for 22800 in June. But last week, or two weeks ago, I guess, but uh, October 22nd, it sold for pretty much a third of that. It sold for 7200 So in the span of, was it five months? Yeah. It went from 22k to 7k. That's and he hasn't, fought in that, he hasn't fought in that time frame. He's not in, he's not in the news. He just could be just doing his thing in life, right? He's helping his not win the belts, right? So I guess yeah. the question is, you, his question is for you, Gavin. Why do you think we're seeing we, or we saw this huge drop in a one-to-one card? Man, this is a hard one because I mean, 
me personally, I love the look of this card. If you guys know exactly what this card looks like, you know what I'm talking about. It being true black and it's the flashback. It's just a such it's such a beautiful card. PSA 10 for $22,000 or 22.8, sorry, is a very hefty price tag on that card, I think in the first place. Um so for it to be now sold a couple months later at $7,200, which I do think is on the lower end, it's, I don't know, man. It's, it's a hard thing to put your finger on. I mean, that's a pretty big difference. I think, I, I, I honestly couldn't put an answer on it. I think maybe 22.8K was a little too high. And then I think 7,200 is a little too low. I think maybe 15 to maybe yeah. 18 range would probably be a reasonable price. And I think with the big question mark on the UFC market, I think it's still relatively new, as I always say, as far as collecting goes. So I think the uncertainty of what's going on with the UFC market is probably the only thing you could try to explain the big price differential in this card, to be completely honest. Yeah, and look, I, I, I did sold, you know, in October for 18K. You know, we probably wouldn't be talking about it, right? It's three grand difference. You know, it happens in cars, right? They sell this, they, they sell different prices every, every day, it seems like. But for it to go from 22, almost 23,000 to 7,000, it's... It's a massive, massive drop off in in a very, in my opinion, short amount of time to where it sort of proves where the market of UFC cards is. It's not in the high end cards. And again, I'm not sure if two people got in a bidding war on uh, June in June, and then that kind of caused it to end at you know 23k. Yeah. But but to me, the market has has never been for high end stuff in UFC cards. We talked about it earlier, right? There's you know, there's no high-end autograph signers. There, there's, there's no Brady, Mahomes, you know, Trout, Otani, Gretzky, McDavid, right? There is no of those guys, at least for now, in the UFT products to where some of these niche cards that have tie-ins to other sports like MMA Prism, NFL Prism, have kind of brought in this new sector of collectors to where then if they leave, thousand cards sell for a third of what they did before, right? My guess is that some of these NBA, NFL guys were the ones who helped itself for 22, or maybe bid it up or, wanted to, or even bought it for 22, 23K. But then, especially they during the summer, around for their, exactly. And, but they're not That's there to buy point. it when it's back up on eBay, right? Some yeah. guy who bought it won't sell it, but the same people who were bidding on it in June are not bidding on it in October. That's a, that's a fantastic point. And I do just want to say, in my opinion, I do think eventually UFC is going to hit that market where it is high end stuff. Obviously, I, I can't stress enough. I do think it's still so early for UFC product and UFC card collecting. I mean, if you've been watching the UFC for a long time, the early 2000s, it was still a very controversial sport. A lot of people didn't get behind it. And honestly, even more recently is when it really started being backed by a lot of people and supported and televised more and sold. So, I mean, it's so new. And for it to have a more controversial athletic background as people didn't want to watch it, they thought it was too bloody, too gory for a sport. I mean, I think it's it's catching on very, very fast. And I mean, we see that as a business standpoint, separating from cards. I mean, the UFC is growing astronomically. So I think the mirroring kind of concept is if the UFC as a business is exploding, it's only a matter of time until their cards explode. Yeah, well. I, I mean, and I guess it's so new as a sport, so new as cards, too. I mean, what if what if GSP had a one-of-one one black prism? Rookie, oh, yeah. <laughs> right? What if, what if Silva had 
a one of one Chronicles gold vinyl. You know, those are legends of the sports, but haven't had those to where I think as we get into Panini's licensing and, and into the UFC cards, and we start seeing guys like Us- like maybe Usman or Edwards or Yuri or Asanya, Islam, these these current fighters becoming all time greats, like yeah. you know, top ten, top twenty of all time fighters, then I think we'll, we'll we will really see the market take off. People who buy the goats, right? They buy the the Gretzkys, the Jordans, the Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron's. They're gonna be buying the Alasanyas, the you know the, the Islams, the you know the Yuris, right? They're gonna be buying the guys that are the all time greats in their weight division. So it's still getting there, and that's proved by this sale of the Habib, where a true collector, in my opinion, is not buying this card. This card is a very niche card. That's a flashback from an older a set. Prism insert. Yeah, it's an insert, exactly. That's <laughs> cool because it looks like the 12, 13 first ever prison basketball set, yeah. right? So I think as we get away from that and into more quote unquote true UFC collectibles, like, you know, one of one autos or, you know, cool downtowns and stuff, that'll only help the market going forward. 100%. And I think, I think. To add to your point, I don't think that's just, um, I think that's not only attracting UFC fans uh, who have been a fan of the sport for a while, but there, it's also attracting new UFC members who, like, people who are into cards who, let's say, didn't know much about the UFC, they're going to see this market and they're going to get into the UFC. But then it's also attracting a lot of people who might not even be into UFC at all, but just see a market where they see an opportunity to you know, make some money, which yeah. is the reality of it. People, some pe- people want to make money. Um, and I think that's overall going to be- benefit the market in general, um, regardless of what category you kind of fit into. I think it's, it's attracting all, all of those people at the same, that rise is attracting everyone at the same time. Great point. Five. I mean, how many times in our store, in this in three, one, four, in our store, have we seen someone who collects UFC ripping up a box of prism or select, and then someone walks in looking for a box to rip and then opens a select UFC box too. Who doesn't know anything about it, right? But yeah. then is but is there learning about it, getting his mind around it, you know, oh this is a cool card, it's a cool fight, it's a cool looking guy, whatever. And then, and then now they're a UFC fan, right? So the UFC's never had it before. They've they've never had a way to gain fans without seeing them on TV, right? It's it's you know what I mean? They've never had this type of collectible or this type of market. Whereas NBA, NFL, and the other sports have for the, for the longest time, right? So the UFC is doing very, very well by having a different way to get into it in some regard. Yeah, I mean, the fact that they already have cards, I think, speaks a lot for it as well. I mean, for them to have tops cards in 2017 and even back in 2011 when they had first round in 2009 as well, it's like basketball and football have been around forever i mean so for them to already make this big of progress in the short amount of yeah. time they are is it speaks a lot of what the future holds for ufc cards yeah i mean but before cards cut out for ufc it was pretty much the only way you would watch a fight or get into the ufc i mean is if your friend told you hey watch the fight right yeah. or, hey come over and watch the fight with me you know there wasn't a separate way to really get exposed to the ufc and now cards are at every hobby shop. They're at every show. They're at Walmart, Target. They're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. They're everywhere now. And we're even seeing fighters get into cards. Like Josh Emmett, right? He collects cards. Right? You know, we're seeing 
the actual athletes collect cards now too to where it's creating a whole other way of exposure for the UFC. 100%. And they're even running ads. I, I've seen some ads on UFC Fight Pass and on ESPN Plus even of UFC cards, right? Yep. So that's even cool because they say, hey, go to the local hobby shop and buy the boxes of Domus Optic, buy boxes of Select, right? And that's, that's cool. That's cool. Yep. One more bit of news before we end the show today was that there was a recent sort of purge of roster cuts from the UFC. This is according to UFC Roster Watch on Twitter. Uh, notable cuts included Darian Weeks, Jason Witt, Cameron Van Camp, Jesse Ronson, Charlie Ontiveros, Magomed Mustafayev, Nick Matsimov, Louis Kosti, and Misha Strykunov. To me, the big surprise here were probably Mustafayev and Maximov. I agree. I know, I know Mustafayev Musta had a couple of fights canceled. I'm not sure he said, I'm done with the UFC. I'm not sure what happened there. Uh, Maximov is, of course, the protege of Nate and Nick Diaz. He was 2-2 two and two in the UFC. Just recently lost. Recently lost, of course. So I'm not sure if that was sort of a dispute there, maybe. Uh, other ones, I mean, in my opinion, I mean, Kosi and Van Camp only fought twice in the UFC. They both they lost both of their fights. You know, this is what happens when you have, you know, the contender series. You have other places for people to come in, right? I mean, Dana White signed what thirty to forty guys from the contender series, right? So even not more. So when you're adding fighters at such high volumes, you have to delete them at such high volumes too. It's sad, it's unfortunate, but it you is gotta what it compete. Is. Gotta compete, right? And look, you know, in 2013, for example. You know, if you were fighting the UFC, you probably had three to four fights. Yeah. Now it's two to three fights, so it's getting tougher to be a, a roster mainstay. Guys like Cirkinov, who Cirkinov like... started, I believe, three or four and zero in the UFC. Yeah, now he's yeah. lost three or four in a row, so he's I don't know, downhill I and like, out. I feel like the more fighters you add, like I don't, I don't necessarily agree that you have to kind of lose that many fighters because. You look at all the other sports, and all all this, all the other sports have like obviously the top five, top ten, whatever it is, but then they also have like all these B tier teams or all these like mid tier teams that people follow and love and enjoy watching. And I think, I think sure these people, some of these fighters might not ever get a belt, but they'll still be following for them and there'll still be a place on TV for people to watch. Cause I feel like people just enjoy watching a sport and supporting someone regardless of whether or not they win or lose. You, you, do you see what I'm saying? I agree. However, the UFC's well. made it a point though of having the premier talent. five fifty and six fifty fighters at all times. Yep. And when you're signing 50 fighters off the contender series and getting a 725, they make cuts. That's just, yeah. that's, just, that's just what they do. And it's unfortunate again. It's, un they, you know, but they, maybe it's a payroll thing. Maybe it's a, just a, who, who, like, who can I keep track of thing, right? Like, I don't want guys, I don't be able to talk to the fighters, the fighters in the UFC, right? But, you know, it's just unfortunate because again, when they had the contender series in 2017 make its debut, since then, we've seen definitely more fighters get cut after only two losses and two fights. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's just the way they operate, and it's this isn't a diss to anybody who gets cut by the UFC, but I mean, maybe they take their talents to the PFL. We called maybe in a, 
a rise in PFL fighters. Maybe the PFL Ooh. explodes a little bit. So people like like we were talking about, I mean, Nick Maximoff, he's got the Diaz brothers behind him who have a massive cult following. So maybe a Nick Maximoff move to the PFL would shake up the PFL a little bit, maybe get people excited about the PFL. Maybe you see Nick and Nate be coaches in the PFL, more exposure to the PFL. I believe I yes. saw maybe some PFL cards coming out soon as well. Yep, upper, upper, upper decks making them. That's right. So, yes, it's unfortunate they get cut. The UFC does want to stay as the premier fighting league, obviously. So they have to make cuts for people that don't shape up the way that they need to. But that leaves the PFL a massive opportunity to pick some of these people up, put them in product put them yes. on the TV. It still gives them opportunity. I wouldn't say that they're done for. So, I, I mean, well, I agree. I mean, in 2013, I'd give you an example, but in 2013, you were cut and you were back fighting on the regional circuit. Now yeah. you're being cut. Yeah, it's yeah. maybe after one or two less 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 fights than before. They're going to a professional you, level. You can go to the PFL, you can go to Belt, you can go to Rise yep. into one. I mean, you can go some pretty solid some pretty solid secondary second tier exactly. pro promotions. Yep. And on that note, thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. We're going to wrap up this episode. I hope you guys learned something new or you're excited about this new product. I know there's some skepticism uh, with the upcoming um, Optic, but hopefully it's a great product and everyone, you know, enjoys it. Uh, we know we're going to, you know, open it and, and talk about it more. Um, we'll also probably upload videos of us opening it on the YouTube channel. That's Cards of the Octagon. We did upload the prism box that Devin opened. Um it did leave more to be desired, but it was still fun. And um, thank you guys again for all the support on the podcast and the YouTube channel. Don't forget to go subscribe to the YouTube channel, Cards of the Octagon. Follow us on Instagram at Cards of the Octagon and on Twitter at Cards Octagon. Follow All Time Cards at All Time Cards on both Instagram and Twitter. And then follow 314 Sports Cards at 314 Sports underscore cards on both Instagram and Twitter. Don't forget to follow me at Food Film Fahad on both Instagram and Twitter. And then again, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. We want to make more video content and we want you guys to enjoy it. Thank you all so, uh, so much for the support again. And we will see you guys next Friday with more Cars of the Octagon, more UFC, and more trading cards. Peace out.